We're delighted to have our children's chime choir uh, playing and ministering to us today. You know, we have the little guys that play the melody bells, and now we have the chimes, and we eventually work them up to the, the handbell choir, and we are just excited about how God is working and all these youth choirs, appreciate Jennifer so much as she leads all these. And I appreciate her efforts so much. A lot of time and effort uh, in these. You're in for a treat, by the way, the Sunday, Sunday prior to Thanksgiving. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you're in for a treat the Sunday prior to Thanksgiving. And I'm just going to tell you that much because you're going to be, I think, really, really blessed by the music that day. Pray for them and listen as they minister to us as they play. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Thank you so much. Always a blessing to see young people serving the Lord. We're going to begin in Genesis chapter one. If you want to be turning there, we'll be in a lot of different passages today. So uh, you can either practice uh, getting ready for a sword drill as we go from passage to passage, or you can jot down references. I'll leave that up to you. We'll be starting in Genesis chapter one. And while you're finding that, I'm wondering by a show of hands, how many of you enjoy Fishing. Let me see your hand. Raise it high. Got a lot of fishermen in here. Okay. Fisherwomen. Uh, that's great. My hand's up as well. Our family, we enjoy going fishing. Someone said that fishing is like romance. The next best thing to experiencing it is talking about it. Um, so, somebody else said fishing is, fishing is just a jerk at one end of the line waiting for a jerk at the other end. Two different uh, ways of viewing it, for sure. But, you know, fishermen have been characterized through the years, let's just be honest about it, for their dishonesty. Uh, One said how far a a fisherman stretches the truth depends on the length of his arms. And so uh, 
Honesty doesn't always come naturally when it comes to fishing, it seems. I understand in Florida, a fisherman was arrested for fishing without a license and he denied the charge. He said, that's not the case, that I was only trying to drown the worms. And so uh, I want to share with you today some true fishing stories, some true fish stories. And you say, well, how do you know they're, they're true, preacher? Well, we know they're true because they come from God's word, the Bible. And the title of today's message is Gone Fishing, Gone Fishing. And uh, I'll be honest, a little bit different than maybe what we normally do here. And we're going to be in lots of different passages, but I think it'll be a blessing to you. And I pray that it will. We begin our fishing trip today in the book of Genesis, chapter one. And I wanted to point out the very get go that fish were created by God. Fish were created by God. If you look in your Bible, Genesis, chapter one, verses 20 and 21, you'll find these words. Genesis 1, 20 and 21. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the water abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So we begin our fishing trip here today because this is where God begins with fish. God created fish and God created all sea life. And as his creation, God can do whatever he wants to with fish and with everything that he has created. He created them. He owns them. And it reminds us this morning that we are his creation. And because we are his creation, he can do whatever he wants to do with us. In fact, if you look at Job 12, uh, 7 through 10, you find these words. But now ask the beast and they will teach you and the birds of the air and they will tell you or speak to the earth and it will teach you. And the fish of the sea will explain to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind says, listen, if you don't know, go ask the fish and they'll tell you that God is the one who's done all this. God is the one who gave life and God is the one that gave us the breath that we are enjoying enjoying today. They were created by God. But, you know, likewise, fish were made to praise the Lord. Fish were made to praise the Lord. Let me give you a verse. Psalm 69, 34. Psalm 69, 34 says this. Let heaven and earth praise him. The seas and everything that moves in them. Everything that moves, let them praise the Lord. Now, have you ever done any deep sea fishing? Growing up, we used to go to the, to the ocean and we'd go out on the pier. And those are some of the fondest memories I have. About going with our family and going out there. I loved it because as a, a boy, I loved staying up late. And you got to stay up really late when you got to go fishing on the pier. But you remember, if you've ever gone fishing at the ocean and you're out on the pier, you can pull up some weird stuff. I mean, weird. I remember catching this one one time puffed up with all these points and, and hooking all this kind of stuff. But the Bible says these things were made by God. There's things we don't even know what that they're there, that they're there. God knows about it. And God says, listen, I created all this and I created it for my praise and my glory. Fish were made to praise the Lord. Fish were created by God. But did you know that fish have been used in judgment? Now, you're there in Genesis. Go to the next book, if you will. Exodus chapter seven. 
Exodus chapter 7. And we see that God uses fish in judgment. Exodus chapter 7. We have the story of Pharaoh and God uh, bringing his people out from bondage there. And we find that we're in the midst of the plagues here. And in Exodus chapter 7, we find uh, beginning at verse 14, these words. Exodus chapter 7, uh, beginning at verse 14. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning when he goes out to the water and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. And the rod which was turned to a serpent, you shall take in your hand. And you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, let my people go. that They may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. Verse 18 of Exodus 7 says this, And the fish that are in the river shall die, the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink the water of the river. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, take your rod, stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, over all their pools of water. They may become blood and there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh in the sight of all of his servants and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. Verse 21 says the fish that were in the river died. The river stank. The Egyptians could not drink the water of the river. So there was a there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments and Pharaoh's heart grew hard. He did not heed them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this. So all the Egyptians dug all around the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. Can you imagine the smell? Now, this is what happened. This is what happened. It's not just make believe. God struck the water. Turned to blood. And of course, the sea life, the fish, they died. Can you imagine the smell, the stench of a bloody river with rotting fish? Oh, terrible. We're reminded that fish can be used as a great blessing, but also as a great curse. Fish were used by God for judgment. You know, if you keep looking at fish in Scripture, you learn next that fish... A fish was used to swallow a runaway preacher. His name, of course, was Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, Jonah's on the run from the will of God. And it says that the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, you may have stayed in some pretty run-down places in your time, but can you imagine staying in the well motel for, for three days and three nights? And he's there, and the fish's belly becomes a prayer closet for Jonah. In fact, in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. Now, think about that. The fish that God had prepared was in tune with God's will. Likewise, the Bible says in Jonah 2.10, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. 
This fish was in tune with God's will. Think about it. Jonah's running from the will of God and the fish is swimming toward the will of God. God used this great fish to swallow a runaway preacher. You know, the end of the story, if you've ever read it, he goes out, ends up preaching and a great revival takes place. And so we know that God uses fish in unusual ways. Did you know, of course, that fish are used to earn a living? That goes on today. It went on back in Bible times. You go to Matthew chapter four, you find these words in verses 18 through 22. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. And immediately they left the boat of their father and followed him. And so here you have the disciples and and some of them were fishermen. That's how they earned their living. It's an honest way to make a living, to go out to fish. And it still goes on today. And if you enjoy eating fish, you're probably thankful that people enjoy making their living by fishing. But did you notice likewise that fish have been used by Jesus as an illustration? We just read a very interesting verse there in that passage. Look back at verse 19. The Bible says, then he, that is Jesus, said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You see, these fishermen could understand what Jesus was saying. They could get a hold of that. They were used to being fishers of fish. Jesus says, listen, you follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And by the way, as believers, we're to be doing the same thing. We're to be fishers of men. We're to be soul winners. We're to be out sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's very interesting. You keep studying through the Bible and you see that that God made the fish. They were made to praise him. He's used them in judgment. He's used them to to swallow a runaway preacher. He's used them uh, to help people earn a living. He's used them as an illustration. But, you know, also they were used in a miracle. They were used in a miracle. We're still in the book of Matthew, the 14th chapter this time. The Bible says in Matthew 14, beginning at verse 15, these words, Matthew 14, 15. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place. The hour is already late. Send the multitudes away. They may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes so that all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now, they started out with five loaves and two fish. They took up 12 baskets of fragments after everybody had eaten. And were filled. Verse 21 says, now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So 5,000 men, that didn't count the ladies and the children. By the way, in most religious settings, if you looked around, sad to say, most of the time there are more ladies and children than men. God help us. So we can easily say 15,000, maybe more. They were used in a miracle, two fish and some bread. And God multiplied it and used it. 
Here's an interesting one when you think about fish in the Bible. Did you know a fish was used to pay taxes? Listen to the story in Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27. Matthew 17, 24 through 27. When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, Yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, What do you think, Simon? For whom do the kings of the earth take custom or taxes from their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him from strangers. Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. But listen, verse 27. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you'll find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me. And you did you catch that? He said, listen, we're going to pay this tax. Go fishing. The first fish you pull up, open its mouth and there will be some money for you to go and pay the tax for you and for me. Now, listen, some of you are thinking right now, come April next year, y'all going fishing for a large mouth bass. I can just feel it right now to get some tax money. But Jesus is Lord. Jesus is creator. He knew all about that fish with its money in its mouth. And God used that to pay the tax. Did you know fish were used to teach a lesson? We haven't even really talked much about eating fish. And that's the obvious thing that we have. But listen, they were used to teach a lesson. Would you go to John 21 this morning? Would you go to John 21? So we continue our fishing trip. We move into John 21. We'll begin reading at verse number three. Very interesting here because this particular account is the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. He's already gotten up from the tomb. He arose victorious. And here he is in John 21. And we'll begin reading there at uh, verse number three. The Bible says in John 21, verse three, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Kind of like my fishing trips. Nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them that question that fishermen never want to hear when it's been a bad night. Children, have you any food? Did you catch anything? They said to him, they answered him, no. Verse six, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw in because of the multitude of fish. They were using nets. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, John said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. 
Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Do you get the picture in your mind? They're they're out there all night laboring and fishing. They catch nothing. That morning they see someone on the seashore who cries out, have you called anything? He said, no. And this person on the seashore says, listen, cast on the right side of the boat. and You'll find some. Now they had the decision to make. They could have said, well, who do you think you are? Oh, here we are. We're professional fishermen. We know what we're doing. There's no sense in this. But they cast the net nonetheless. And when they cast it, when they began to draw, it was filled with fish. In fact, we're told 153 fish. And yet the net did not break. And it was then where they realized who it was standing on the seashore. They said, it's Jesus. It's the Lord. And they come and the Lord Jesus is there and he welcomes them and he has breakfast Uh, The coal's going there and he feeds them breakfast by that seashore. And if you go on and read the story there in John uh, 21, you you find the Lord Jesus dealing there with him and he restores Peter. He asks him, do you you love me? And, And he goes through that. But as you look at this story, what exactly is the lesson? We know the resurrected Jesus is there and he's feeding them breakfast. Well, I think one of the overwhelming lessons is this that we learn from that passage. And that's this. There is blessing in obeying Jesus Christ. There is blessing in obeying. I mean, in all common sense, it it didn't make a lot of sense to cast the net on the right side. Yet they did. And when they did, they received a huge blessing. You see, fish have been used in all different ways throughout the Bible. And you say, well, preacher, these are, are nice fish stories, but... What's the point? Where do these stories interact with our lives? I mean, you might make me hungry to go eat fish this afternoon, but beyond that, what's the point? Well, I'm glad you asked. See, the great lesson I want you to catch today, men and women, boys and girls, teenagers, is this. If God can use a fish for his purpose and his glory, imagine what he can do with you. I want you to think about that. You may have seen some beautiful fish in your time. You may have seen some trophy fish in your time. But when it's all said and done, it's still a fish. Slimy, scaly, stinky fish, right? But God created them and God has used them in so many different wonderful ways. If God can use a fish, he can use you. He can use me. Think about that. You see, God not only created you and gave you life and breath, He gave you a mind to think and a will to act. He blessed you in so many ways. And He loved us so much that when we rebelled against Him and sinned against Him, He says, listen, I'm going to send my Son to die in your place to shed His blood for you. To rise victorious that you might have life. And if you will. Trust me. I will save you. And by the way, if you've never trusted him. Let me invite you today, friend. Turn from your sin to Christ. Turn from your sin to Christ. Call out to him and he will save you. But you see. 
for those of us who have already been redeemed and cried out to him, we're still here, aren't we? At least it looks like everybody's still here. Some of you are beginning to wane a little bit, but you're still here. God didn't just save us and, and bring us to heaven immediately. God left us here and God has a purpose for our lives. And God wants to use our lives for his honor and his glory. And you may have come into this service today thinking, well, I'm not much and, and I, I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm not smart. I don't know. I, all kinds of excuses of why God can't really use your life. Listen, God can use a stinking, smelling fish for his honor and his glory. How much greater can he use us whom he loves, whom he redeemed with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? God desires to use your life. God wants to touch people with your life where you are. God wants to glorify himself in and through your life. Now, the question, Christian, is this. Are you allowing him to do that? Are you submissive to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Have you brought your life and said, Lord, here I am. And, and I recognize that you own me and I'm yours and you're master and you're Lord. And I give you everything and I pray you'll use me. I pray you'll use me. Fill me with thy spirit and use me. You see, he used fish. We could go back and talk about a donkey he used once. He did that too. Spoke to a donkey. See, God can use these things that he even used a worm. Go back and read the the story of, of Jonah. Jonah's there and that shade bush comes up and then says, God prepared a worm, this little creature to inch along and, and he ate it and he destroyed that bush and God used it in Jonah's life. Do you understand the lesson today? God wants to use you. No matter what obstacles you may think are there, no matter what challenges you may have, God wants to use you. God will use you for his honor and glory if you'll let him. Now, here's the question. Are you letting him use you? You say, preacher, I don't have. I, that's not what I ask you. Preacher, I'm not, I didn't ask you that. Are you letting him use you where you are? Are you saved today? Do you know Jesus Christ as your savior? If not, would you come today? In repentance and faith, crying out to him, saying, Lord, I recognize I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I don't want my sin anymore. I want you. The Bible says he'll save you. And if you are saved. Do you need to come today and lay your life down afresh and anew? And say, Lord, here I am. You can use a fish. You can use a worm. You can use a donkey. I know. Oh, God, you can use me. Would you do it? For your honor and your glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for creating so many wonderful things. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you that you've given us food to eat like fish. But Lord, we look in your word and we see how you've used your creation to bring glory to yourself. We recognize afresh and anew this morning that we are your creation and you desire to bring glory to yourself from our lives. Father, I pray if anyone here today does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, never repented of their sin and placed their faith in him. I pray this morning 
during this invitation time, they'll turn from their sin to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, Father, I pray for the believers here today who maybe have been busy making excuses and busy coming up with all kinds of things of why they can't instead of coming and surrendering their life, saying, Lord, I can't, but you can. And I give my life to you. And I surrender afresh and anew. Work in me, work through me for your glory. Thank you, Father, that you would use us. We're not worthy of that. We're rebels, yet you redeemed us and you desire to use us. You've made us a child of God, heirs and joint heirs with Christ. And so, Father, I pray you would use us, your people, for your glory. Work now, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning's little chorus. It's only three verses long. There's plenty of time for you to come. We'll sing it through more than once. 457, Lord be glorified. Lord be glorified. As we sing this morning, the altar's open. If you need to be saved, I invite you to come and we'll put you with someone who will take a Bible and share the gospel with you. If you need to come and just pray today, maybe surrender your life afresh and you say, God, I know you can use fish and all these things. I believe you can use me and give your life afresh and anew. Surrender yourself to Christ. Would you do that as we stand and sing 457? 457, Lord be glorified. You come as we sing 457.